Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Are Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29. This is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. Mary, you packed? I'm packing for a set of days for transformation in Atlanta, Father John. We're going to be with uh, um, the good people of Atlanta, both their clergy for their presbyterate retreat and then this beautiful revival. So yeah. excited. I don't think we need to bring a sweater. I think sandals and shorts are the apparel for I'm looking for clerical shorts, but I don't think they make them. So uh, enjoy the sandals and shorts, but uh, I'll be be bringing an extra shirt in Hotlanta. Hey, I'm excited about our podcast. What's our topic today? Gosh, I am too. Prophets, that's all of us, need love, courage, and humility. Mm, And I probably need a lot more than that too. Let's pray, shall we? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we just uh, come before you right now, wherever we are, whatever's going on in our lives. We give you thanks that you have access to everything on our minds and in our hearts, all the people that we're concerned about, the events that we're uh, preoccupied with, the things that need to get done, just our daily lives. We thank you that you see us and you know us, that your grace is sufficient for all things. All will be well. We just ask for your anointing now upon our conversation. Help us to understand a little bit more the responsibility that's been entrusted to each of us as a a prophet by baptism and maybe most especially as a mom or a dad or a priest or a coach or a teacher, someone who's been entrusted with others, how it is that we should best care for them. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Thanks, Father John. So I just, you know, I know we said this last week too, but I just want to say it again. I'm so grateful for the people who, you know, when we started moving to this new format for this podcast and wanting to break open the first reading, it, it was a clear conviction on our part that that's something that we were being asked to do, especially in kind of in tandem with uh, thoughts from the trail that comes out on Wednesday, which is a reflection on the second reading. And just the number of people who sent you emails that say something to the effect of, how did you know I struggle with the Old Testament? And the answer is, well, I think all of us struggle with the Old Testament. So right. I'm, I'm appreciative of the feedback from people because it's confirming for us. But I just, I just love doing these. So uh, yeah, just I just want to say thanks to you for um, being a part of it because these are fun. <laughs> yeah, I, well, they're, I they're fun and, too, and they're life-giving. I was thinking of something uh, that uh, Peter craved he, he describes uh, scripture as God's love letter to us. Mm. And I think the, 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 the more we press into scripture, the more we, we actually have an opportunity to receive that love. Because even what we're breaking open today is teaching us how to live. Yeah, that's how right. How to speak, how to put on the virtues, love, cha- uh, love, humility, how it is we're supposed to live. And so I don't know about you. I mean, you're a biblical scholar. I'm not, but I can only tell you, Padre, that I am learning so much just by taking the time to break open that first te- uh, that, that first reading. Well, I don't think I'm a big yep. biblical scholar, but I spend a lot of time in Scripture. And I think you, you just nailed it, which is Scripture is supposed to be uh, read, studied, prayed with, not so that we can get, you know, great little factoids, but so that God can shape our minds and our hearts and our wills and teach us how to live. That's why he, you know, Pope Benedict said at one of his, 
one of his sermons, it might have been a sermon on Augustine. He says, if someone told you, hey, God wrote a letter and you can access it, you would run to the mailbox, yeah, you would. right? And he has, and it's called scripture. That's exactly right. And it's one of those letters that you would run to the mailbox and you'd read again and again and again. Yeah, and then you usually you'd go to your neighbor and say, uh, can you translate this for me? Because I don't understand it. What I'm so that's why that's we're doing right. this podcast. Okay, here we that go. That said, take yeah. us away to Ezekiel. Yeah. So this is a reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. So thus says the Lord, You, son of man, I have appointed watchmen for the house of Israel. When you hear me say anything, you shall warn them for me. If I tell the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade the wicked from his way, the wicked shall die for his guilt, but I will hold you responsible for his death. But if you warn the wicked trying to turn him away from his way, and he refuses to turn from his way. He shall die for his guilt, but you shall be saved. And Father John, I can I only have this to say after I read this the first time and before I started to pray with it. Like that is a stern warning <laughs> from God. I'll say. Yeah, I'll say. You know, yeah, I don't want to cut you off. No, 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 go ahead. You know, there's there's so much here that we could break open. We we were talking about how to go at this, and we were we've been praying with it all week. So it's kind of like preaching. You can't give everything. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm reminded of a a guy. Who, he, it was like his first week, and uh, he was preaching, and he, he it was a daily mass. And I think he gave like a 25 minute, maybe a 30 minute daily mass homily for 15 people, and the pastor happened to be in the sacristy and the, 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 the priest came in after mass. He says, so what'd you think? And the pastor looks at him and says, you know what? That was really good. <laughs> was, that was really good. It was very rich. He looks at him. He says, but sometimes when only a couple of cows show up, you don't need to open the whole silo. <laughs> and it was just this, you know, it, so the temptation when you preach is, is to give I, I want to so give everything much. and you just can't give everything. So it's kind of like here for us, there's so much, there's so many directions someone could go. This is the direction the Lord's led us to right. go. And it was interesting. You, we, we both pray about these things individually. Yeah. And then we share the fruit of right. our prayer. And I had seen you had sent some thoughts and I didn't read them yet. I put down my thoughts, sent them to you. And then I looked at your thoughts. I said, oh my gosh, we have like the exact same thoughts. I must be the spirit. So please God. And I, and I hope, um, you know, we've been talking about prophets. We had Elijah with his right. you know, battle with the prophets of Baal. And then him hearing God's voice. And then we had Jeremiah last week. And now we've got Ezekiel. And so we've talked a little bit about prophets. And we're still talking about prophets. And a reminder again that we're all prophets by baptism. And a prophet is called to speak on God's behalf. But I am, I'm hoping that parents, in a very particular way, will hone in on what we're saying today. And, and my brothers, uh, as well as I. So a couple thoughts. One is um, Ezekiel. So like it's always nice to know who is this guy and what time are we talking about? So this is, this is the time of um, a, a basically the destruction of Jerusalem, right? So Nebuchadnezzar is um, invading uh, Jerusalem and the temple's going to be destroyed. And this is uh, early 
6th century BC. I think I said that right. So it's like 580s BC. So I think that's early. It would be the other way around if it was AD. So uh, Ezekiel's a prophet and he's, he's got a tough task. He's been warned by God. How'd you like to get this message? I'm going to send you to a rebellious house. And they're not going to listen to you. To which I would say something like, well, then why am I I'm going? going. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> why are you sending me if you're telling me in advance this isn't going to go well? And, that, and yet that's the task. Ezekiel is, um, is a priest from priestly family. He is very well educated. Um, but he's told in advance this is going to be really hard. Now, one of the things, even as you were reading it, that we weren't even thinking about before, that expression that God calls him son of son man. Of man. So that should go like, you know, ding, ding, ding. I've heard that before. Jesus refers to himself as the son of man. This is not the same expression he's thinking of. So son of man shows up here in Ezekiel, and it's usually God's way of just saying man. Like, hey, son. <laughs> um when Jesus refers to himself as the son of man, he's referring to that expression as it's used by the prophet Daniel, which is this vision, we talked about this a few weeks ago, of the one to whom all authority is given. That's the son of man that um, Jesus is talking about. It's, it's clearly hearkening back to Old Testament prophecies of this royal figure who's going to rule. When God calls Ezekiel that, it's something very different. It's more just like mortal, dust and ashes. Hey, you, listen to me. So he's called to be a watchman or a sentinel. And the imagery here is very clearly military. So this is somebody who's standing on a wall, looking out over a plateau, waiting for an advancing army. So just picture that in your mind immediately. So what, it, you're a mom, you're a dad, you're a priest, you're a whatever. You're, you, you're somebody who's been entrusted with any kind of authority, meaning people are in your charge. Your Children, players, students, parishioners, you name it, right? Um, a country. If you're a sentinel and you see an advancing army coming and you don't say anything, you're a horrible sentinel. And what you've done is you've let disaster fall upon the people that you were supposed to warn. That's the background here, right? Does that make sense? Totally. Um, um, and, and I read that. So I, I wanted to know a little bit more about what a watchman was. And um, so I actually looked it up. And it's someone who uh, peers out into the distance, mm. someone who looks out and about, someone who keeps watch. And of course, my reference point is going to be a mother. And yeah. I think you mentioned that just being a, um, a mom and a grandmother, because that's my maternal heart. And I have never read that passage. So I've read this passage before, but I've never gone deep with my role as a watchman. Yeah. So that applies to all of us. And so, yes, it does have this military-esque feel and texture about it, of course, and certainly in this context, but we're all called to be watchmen. Absolutely. So let's put it back in the, in the big context of how we talk about, you know, whether we, this is not how we like to think about life, but we're in a war. Spiritual battle. We're all in a war. Absolutely. I mean, we've been born into a battle, right? We just have to continually remind ourselves that the enemy is the enemy, which is to say Satan and his minions. So 
this is reality. This is a biblical vision of reality. So as a mom, as a grandmother, as a pastor, as a governor, as a president, knowing like this is wisdom. I'm governing people, shepherding people, taking care of people who are not living on the equivalent of, you know, the beach with a drink in their hands. They're living on the equivalent of Normandy, June 6, 1944. And so I have responsibilities to uh, warn them, to protect them. Otherwise, they might get hurt. So, you know, we, the, the, the title of the episode is Prophets Need Love, Courage, and Humility. Well, let's, let's try to break that open a little bit. Why would, so you as a mom, why would you warn your child about something that could harm them. I mean, that just sounds like a stupid question to even ask, it's right? It's all born out of love, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. So a prophet is speaking on God's behalf. Well, who's God? Well, God is love. So God, God speaks to us because he loves us. And, and one of the things that you and I both captured in our own prayer this week was what Ezekiel 33, where the Lord says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. I mean, that's our heart. Well, it's God's heart first, right? And then it should be ours. What I was going to say was that's our heart because he lives within us. And that which we have to have in order to be watchmen, to live prophetically, to be the moms and dads, pastors and whatnot, is we have to have his heart and our heart needs to be conformed to his, right? Yeah, and, and I think here's a place to make a great simple point, which often confuses people. Um, I, I think it's Aquinas. Somebody will write it and correct me if I'm wrong. Sometimes I just make stuff up. But <laughs> I think it's Aquinas who says, this was life-changing for me. God hates sin. We hear God talk about how much he hates sin all the time, right? God hates sin for one reason only. doesn't matter what kind of sin it is, what we're talking about. Cheating, lying, lust, anger, bitterness, whatever it is. The only reason God hates sin is because it's bad for me. Now think about that. I want you to say that again because that's revelatory. Because oftentimes when we talk about sin, we can go all theological, like high theology. But that's simply what it is. Sin is bad for us. And why is it bad for us? It's harmful to me. It's harmful to me. And it has consequences. That's right. So, you know, we, we just were in a conversation with some folks yesterday who came by the office and we got talking about all sorts of issues of sexual morality and whatnot. And it, a couple of them just latched onto this like, oh, that makes sense. So the, the, the basic point here, this is maybe a little overly provocative, but I don't know that it is. Morality has, I don't want to say nothing to do with faith, but mostly nothing to do with faith. Morality is a is a matter of careful thinking. In other words, I don't have to say, well, the Bible says this, therefore. Rather, the Bible does say that, but the Bible says that because that's in accord with reality. So in other words, the appeal from God to us and from us to others should be something like, well, if you actually use your mind and you think about that topic, whatever the topic is, or that choice, that action you're considering doing, you should be able to understand right. the reasons why either that's going to be healthy for you or harmful to you. It's rational. It yep. makes exactly. sense. And I exactly. think sometimes what happens when we are trying to engage in conversations around the moral life, um, 
I think we forget to think critically first, yeah. just on a very, very practical level. Yeah. Um, I, speaking about, you know, uh, a parent loving their children or a pastor loving his people, you, you were just sharing with me a story that you've never shared with me before about a, a, what a young boy had to say to his mom around what he saw some of his friends being able to do. Yeah, I was, I was having dinner. I was probably a year, maybe two years ordained. And um, the pastor who was my first pastor was just an extraordinary mentor for me. We were having dinner one night and he says, I got to tell you about this conversation I had today. I said, okay, sure. So I, or maybe it was the night before, whatever it was, he had been to dinner at somebody's house and they had a son who was, he, he was not in junior high. I think he was in third, fourth or fifth grade, somewhere around there. And the boy in the middle of the dinner just kind of interrupted what was going on and looks at his mom and says, mom, how come Johnny, Johnny lived across the street, how come Johnny's parents don't love him? And she looked at him like, kid, what the heck's wrong? She didn't say it this way, but what's wrong with you? Like, why would you say something like that? And so I think she gently said, Johnny, why would you say that? And he says, because they let him do whatever he wants. And the mom just kind of froze, turned to Monsignor, who was my pastor, and said, Oh my gosh, like talk about out of the mouths of babes. From the heart of like that's child. brilliance, right? In other words, love does not let you do whatever you want. And I would imagine that that mom, when she had to exhort, corral, direct her little ones, that I'm doing this because I love you. Yeah. Like I'm saying no to that because I love you. That's right. Right? And so that so kudos to his mom and yeah. the little and the little one got it. The little one got it. Somehow right? we lost it when we and got if, to junior high. And I'm just thinking about that. Just just even as I'm sitting here talking, like if we could actually, if we understood the heart of the father, we would not see scripture as uh, do's and don'ts, as rules and rigidity from a legal, you know, seeing it from a legalistic perspective. Um, here's a mom who knew, who had the heart, right? You know, the father and a mother as she was raising her kids. That's right. And if we only had that same heart and understanding that that's what the word of God is, I don't want to go down a yeah, rabbit we, hole. We, but. We're prone to see laws as arbitrary things that somebody just came up with, which the next person could change. God's moral law is nothing like that. They have to do with reality. And I, I think one of the things that Ezekiel's reminding us and that God's reminding us through Ezekiel is love acts. Mm-hmm. Love is a verb. It's not a feeling. It's a verb. And when you see danger coming, the loving thing to do is to say something. Otherwise, you don't love. Now, having said that, why is this so hard for so us? Like, why don't we do this? Right. Because we don't do this very well. We don't. And there's, and there's a host of reasons why we don't do this. I think, first of all, it's, it's hard. Hmm. And, and, and maybe we haven't had it modeled for us and our lives very well. Maybe someone's uh, spoken to us or called us on or exhorted us on, and we haven't received it um, as love. Maybe it wasn't draped in humility. Um, I think that's probably the first thing. But I think deep down, I, I think we really want to be light, and we yep. don't want to offend anybody. And we can confuse um, calling one another on or warning someone 
um, as being judgmental rather than making a judgment. And there's a lot to talk yeah. about there. I, I, I don't know what your thoughts are, Father. No, I think you're right. And here's the irony. When we want to be liked, we're not loved. Mm. What would you rather I mean, the, desire? The, the, the person, you know, the, think back to your own life, you know, growing up, either teachers or coaches, maybe your mom and dad, the people who are, um, I don't want to say hardest because that'll give a uh, possibly a really negative impression. The people who who pushed me, they're the people I knew loved me, mm-hmm. cared for me, and I ended up really liking them and really respecting them, even if I didn't really like them in the moment. But they saw something in me, and they're like, "You're better than not. You're better than that." They they pulled something be, more out of you. Me. Have great potential. Yeah. Yeah. I would call that tough love, Doctor Dobson. Years ago. Yep. Um, had a book out for parents. So I, I can't, I don't know if it was Tough Love or not, if that was the title of the book, but that's the gist. Yeah, and my dad, of it. I mean, just crushed it on this. My dad excelled you know at being able to speak Amazing dad. words of authority draped in unconditional love. You know, Albert talks often on our team about, um, I think it's, a, it's basically a quote from Father Jacques Philippe's book on fatherhood, that the essence of fatherhood, and I think we could say the same thing with motherhood, is unconditional love and words of authority in that order, right? The, someone's got to know I unconditionally love you. It's not reward love, but I'm going to speak truth to you. Mm-hmm. And and truth without the unconditional love breaks me. Yeah, very, it, I'm very a, I'm hard. a broken, you know, I'm a, I'm a bruised reed and it'll snap me. But when I know you really love me, I'll, I'll, oh, receive, receive, I'll receive anything from you. You know, Father John, something else I'm thinking about too and, I think sometimes because we're all human, we all have a past, we have in our rearview mirror, even if our rearview mirror is even yesterday, where we have failed. You know, we're so aware of our um, our own imperfections, our own struggles in our life. Do you think sometimes it's difficult to call out or exhort because we feel like we're hypocrites, because we still aren't where we want to be in our own life? Oh Does yeah, that make sense? yeah. Especially, I, I hear parents often come to me and say things like, "You know, my kids will throw up in my face." Hey, you did that. How dare you say I, I can't do that? Right? Well, you know, just because I drank battery acid and was sick for four months doesn't mean you should, right? And so, this is a um, you're spot on. I think the enemy can play on us in lots of different ways. If we're parents, if we're pastors, if we're whatever, if we're in any position of authority, who are you to say something? And our past, um, in a certain sense, is really irrelevant. Um, think of St. Peter. Peter became a great shepherd because of how he fell. That, that's really significant. Peter's past enabled him to be a better leader. Absolutely. He knew his we own capacity more. for brokenness mm-hmm. and he knew God's mercy, right? And so he was able to share that in a way that beforehand he would not have he been able to share that because he was very, very boastful and very arrogant before that. You know, I'll never die. You know, though everybody else deny you, Lord, I will never deny you. Well, a couple hours later, look what happens. Suddenly he becomes an amazing pastor because he gets it. And so the, you know, our own experiences when we were younger, like you said, last night or this morning, um, they can make us to be really good leaders if we'll let God into those areas, repent, experience his mercy, and then we can talk with both 
love, but also with great humility. You're right, I did do those things. And because I did, I'm able to tell you, they actually left a lot of scars. And I don't want to and see honey, you get, I love you too much, right? To let you go get That's scarred. Right. That's right. You know, that was walking into a propeller, and I don't want you to walk into yeah. a propeller. That's beautiful. That's you know, beautiful. One, of the, one of the heroes of this for me is uh, St. Gregory the Great, mm-hmm. whose feast we just celebrated. And Gregory was this uh, monk who becomes pope. And there's a beautiful reading of his. It's a commentary on Ezekiel in the Liturgy of the Hours, the Divine Office, for his feast day. He even starts with this very passage, Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. And then he just reflects on his own life. So, so think about this. Just hear this for a second, whether you're a mom, a dad, a pastor. Here's how we want to um, step into the role that God has given us. We want love. So love would say something to somebody. We need courage because it's hard. We have a desire to be liked. But we also need humility. Listen to Gregory's humility. So here's the Pope. This is, by the way, not just Gregory. He's Gregory the Great. Okay? And he wrote a tremendous instruction on pastoral leadership. So he says, anyone appointed to be a watchman must stand on a height for all his life to help them by his foresight. So that could be you as a mom, a dad, a grandparent, a pastor. Now listen to what he says about himself. How hard it is for me to say this. For by these very words, I denounce myself. I cannot preach with any competence. And yet insofar as I do succeed, still I myself do not live my life according to my own preaching. I don't deny my responsibility. I recognize I am slothful and negligent. But perhaps the acknowledgement of my fault will win me pardon from my just judge. When I was in the monastery, I could curb my idle talk and usually be absorbed in my prayers. Since I assumed the burden of pastoral care, my mind can no longer be collected. I can just imagine you as a parent listening to this, right? It's concerned with so many matters. And then he goes on to acknowledge even more so just his own struggles, which I think are so encouraging to hear. Like this is, we talked about Jeremiah, you know, being frank with God. Here's Gregory being frank with God. This is how we want to pray in front of God. Like, Lord, you see me, you know me, you know my struggles. I'm asking for mercy. And especially now for mercy so I can be the leader you want me to be. He says, at times I let my tongue run. For if I'm always severe in my judgments, the worldly will avoid me and I can never attack them as I would. We might read that as correct. So as a result, I often listen patiently to chatter. And because I too am weak, I find myself drawn little by little into idle conversations. And I begin to talk freely about matters which once I would have avoided. What I once found tedious, I now enjoy. So who am I? to be a watchman. What's humility? Humility is knowing who you are. I was just thinking, just listening to you read that again. It's just, this man had tremendous self-knowledge. Yeah. Right? And that's just beautiful, honest prayer. And that's a saint. And that's why we that's need that cool. humility, right? So oh, I, I know we're long. Let's make this really practical for us. Give us some things we can do. Yeah. You know, I, we talked about it earlier in the conversation too. I, I think what we need to pray for, what I need to pray for is like, I want a heart like his. 
I want a mm. heart like God. I want a heart like St. Gregory. Like, like I want that heart. You know, we often talk about in our work in Acts 29, it's so much about the renewal of the mind. Yeah. It's also about the renewal of the heart, the transformation of the heart. We renew our minds so our so our, our hearts can be transformed and look more and more like the Lord. So I think that's the first thing. So can I ask, so that yeah. means in, in thinking of what we're talking about now, so to make that specific, so a heart like his gets involved. It's, it, 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 it's willing to run the risk to say something to someone who's been entrusted to me because I want what's good for you. Is that what you're saying there? Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, and, and to, to have a heart for the lost, to have yeah. a heart for our family, our brothers and sisters, our officials, right? Yeah. Like our, our national leaders, all of that. Um, but you mentioned it too earlier. I, I, just to pray for the grace of courage because it's really, really hard, especially in this culture, in the world and in the church, like to either be a great bishop, a courageous bishop, to be a great parent, to be a great educator, to be a great judge. I mean, to to be great. I, I would say those are the two things on on yeah. my mind. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I love that because I, I, I say oftentimes, you know, it's really easy to be a bad shepherd mm. and it's really easy to be a bad parent. You just don't say anything. You, you don't say anything. You can do whatever you want. And that's a bad shepherd. And, and yet you can see why people do that. I want you to you like, like me, me. <laughs> you know, because we have this tremendous desire to be loved, but we, we again, mistakenly think, if you like me, then you'll love me when in fact it's actually not usually that way. I, I think maybe I, I love that. Um, I, I would simply add this. In order for us to do this, I think it's really worthwhile just saying to the Lord, Lord, what do you want to correct me on? Amen. And how do you want to correct me? So uh, just like Gregory's got this tremendous self-knowledge, like, okay, my, my tongue runs off at times. That's, you know, one of his challenges. Well, what's, what's my challenge or what's you? Would that it was a challenge, by the way, as opposed to challenges. But, you know, what are my challenges? Lord, what is it? What is the, What are those one, two, three things that you just want to hold up in front of me and go, dum-dum? Uh, that I, is not good for you. That's not good for you, dum-dum. <laughs> he calls me that sometimes. You know, that mm-hmm. you're just not supposed to do that. And you know that. You know, and, and then and to hear him. Yes. Because he doesn't... Yeah, she does call me dum-dum sometimes. But... um. But in a, but it's if a, in a, it's a playful, playful, joyful way. way. And, and that's I, how he talks to me. And so that's huge is that tone. What does the tone of God sound like when he's correcting me? Because he's not yelling at me. And it's with that same tone then that we want to adopt. Exactly. As we're being those prophetic voices, those watchmen in our own lives. I know even as I'm praying, um, I have never heard the Lord rebuke me in, although he probably had cause to, but I've never heard him be angry with me. There's a sternness yeah. sometimes, or he'll ask me questions, and it just it, it just speaks of care. Yeah. But the way I hear the Father's voice is never. Um, oh, it's it, belittling is the word that I yeah, hear in it, my it, head. It, it, it's it's not hard to hear. Yeah. He's easy to hear. He's easy yeah. on the ears. And we want to come across the same way with those that yeah. who have been entrusted. God does not belittle you know, us. He does not. Us. He does yeah. not condemn. Although he does convict, right? Yeah, he uh, does. And you also, I say something else too. You know, to the point, like, you know, where does the Lord want to correct us? And then pray about who are the who's that one or two people maybe in our own lives 
that the Spirit's been inspiring us to speak mm. to, like sometimes the Spirit will give, will inspire us to go, to do something, to act on right. those inspirations, and we don't, and that becomes, you know, a glaring omission. You know, I, I didn't do that, but who was, is there someone in our lives that you've entrusted to me, Lord, that you're asking me to speak to, and about what? And yeah. then how do you want me how do you want me to speak to that person and pray about it deeply before you step into that space to have that conversation maybe? I love that. So we said at the beginning, this is just going to be a little bit on this reading. and I think we're at 32 minutes. So, so imagine if we were going to break open the whole thing. I, I love this. I, I think, you know, it, it's the, the length of the episode speaks to the fact that this is such an important topic and such a difficult topic and uh, because it's so applicable to parents in a special way and to priests. Uh, let's just take to heart whatever the Spirit's saying to us, because the Lord's got a message in, in this for every one of us, you know, both how he wants to speak to us and then how he's encouraging and inviting us to speak to others. So let's thank the Lord for the gift of his word. Let's thank the Lord that he intervenes, he cares, he acts, he, he acts so profoundly that he becomes a man and he goes to battle for us. He doesn't just warn us about an enemy. He actually becomes a man, goes to battle against the enemy, and he defeats him. And because he has, do not be afraid. God is with you, and you were born for this. Mm-hmm.